Hello, and welcome to the Career Canvas podcast, where we explore an inside look into different industries from future leaders, their work, and their stories. Today, we are fortunate to host Jeff Fantel. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Jeff is an application engineer. Anyone here know what that is? Well, to put it in a few sentences, an application engineer is often found in a highly technical field. And the application engineer is then the technical interface between the customer and the R&D, the developers. Application engineers design and conduct experiments with their technology for their customers' use cases. They then train customers in how to achieve optimal results when using the company's technology. How is that summary? That's a pretty good summary. Good, because you wrote it. So (laughs) can you explain a little bit more what that is? Yes. Okay. So um, specifically in the field that I work in, um, I work in the electro-optics field, which is very hardware heavy, not as much software, more hardware. And in my company specifically, we've developed a cutting edge camera sensor that can see in a very specific region of infrared. And it's very new on the market in terms of its ability to make certain applications possible that were never possible before or never thought of before. What my job really is to work with the customers who are interested in our technology to develop along with them the applications that they could potentially create using our technology. So whether it's in the automotive space, um, we have deployed our camera sensor to be used in the automotive space or in security or certain material sensing to kind of uh, make sure, you know, certain things when it's going on an assembly line to detect certain defects in certain materials. These applications are to be developed with our camera in a way that these uh, customers have never been able to develop these applications before. So as an application engineer, we kind of work together with our R&D to figure out what is possible in in terms of things that we can offer with our technology and together with the customer in order to understand what their needs are and to marry those two things together to design for experiments and to further their application development. Okay, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yes, indeed. Sorry if that was a little so first uh, of all, overburdening of information. <laughs> it's good because now we have a lot of things to learn. So first of all, what is it infrared when you say that? And how does your camera differ from the WISE camera I have in my house? Okay, so just to give a basic background on physics uh, or optics, more specifically, light that we see is part of a spectrum, the electromagnetic spectrum. The electromagnetic spectrum ranges from anything from gamma and x-rays and ultraviolet light, which we call the higher energy part of the spectrum, to visible light, which is light that we can see. So that would be from uh, like purple, which is around 400 nanometers. We're talking about nanometers as in the wavelength of the light, up to about 700 nanometers, which is going to be in the red range. And then anything past red We're going to get into the infrared and the long-range infrared and microwaves and radio waves. And these are longer waves that we humans cannot see, but they still exist in our universe. And these are still sending off signals. For instance, the sun gives off a lot more light than we can see. It gives off a lot of ultraviolet light, and it gives off a lot of different electromagnetic radiation that we cannot see, but is still possible to detect. So we've developed a camera that detects light it detects this radiation in a very specific part of infrared where cameras until today have not been able to detect 
or rather more accurately, there are cameras that can detect it, but they're very expensive and very difficult to produce on a mass scale. And my company has developed a way to produce these types of cameras on a much more mass scale, a much more cost-effective way. For instance, where we can see colors with our eyes, we can kind of uh, distinguish between green and red very easily with our eyes. What we can do in this infrared region is we can distinguish between materials. So say you have two different materials that are identical in color. Um, let's say you have black beans and you have coffee beans, where if you pass them in front of a camera quickly, you won't necessarily be able to see the difference between them so easily because they're practically the same color. But because their materials are different, one will appear very white and one might appear very black. Or sugar and salt, for instance. Sugar appears to be like a darker color and salt appears to be a whiter color when you're looking in this specific spectrum. So you can see all of these different things and understand all of these different properties of different materials in ways that we've never been able to do that before. That sounds so that's pretty just a little cool. bit of a back that's just a little background of electromagnetic optics and radiation and what our cameras are doing. So that sounds pretty cool. And I hope everyone is appreciating that four years of electro-optics engineering in four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> As an application engineer, is it typically with a physical product or is that just where you fall into it? Since my degree is in optics, um, a lot of the, of, of the work that I do in my industry is much more hardware based. So I am dealing with cameras and sensors and lasers and lenses and all of those different things that fall under the category of optics or electro-optics and not as much uh, software. So... We use the software and the company has developed a software, but when it comes to an application engineer in the field where I come from, it is a lot more hardware heavy. That's not to say that there is, aren't application engineers in software companies. It's just me personally, I have not um, been as exposed to those things. Got it. Maybe in other companies, it's not called an application engineer. There'd be other names for it. Of those people yeah, maybe that it would are... be sometimes a customer success or something that's making sure that the customer is able to properly implement the, the software into whatever it is that they are using it for. Right. I'm certainly uh, familiar with that aspect of it, trying to be creative with the software that we have in order to get the right solution for the client. But that's on a software level. Right. So it, it seems like application engineers, specifically that, title that niche is with hardware more likely than not yeah perhaps perhaps okay well before the show you were telling me about this dev kit this development kit that you're doing in your company can you tell everyone a little bit more about that the development kit is sort of a mini version of our technology that we offer to our customers that they can acquire and then develop their own applications so essentially our development kit is a camera that we produce with our cutting edge sensor inside the camera. And then the customer is able to take the camera and develop their own applications with, with our camera to see how they can kind of scale the application on a more mass produced way. Where I come in is I work with the customer together with development kit to make sure that they are able to use it properly, to be able to, to make sure that they're interfacing it with our software properly, that they're getting optimal results when using the cameras because sometimes with these new technologies, these things can be kind of difficult to make sure that you're getting the image exactly right. Just like if you 
bought some sort of professional grade photographer's camera at a store without any background knowledge, you wouldn't necessarily know the best way to use it to get the best images out of it. So too with our camera, it's very new technology and there are very sensitive things involved and you want to make sure that you are doing everything in the, in the right way and using it in the proper way to make sure that you're getting the maximum results. So that's where I come in in order to have some sort of a training session with the customer. Sometimes it's on site where I've actually gone to the customer to work with them. And sometimes, and you, most of the time, if we can do it remotely, then we'll do it remotely and um, get, get the, the camera kind of up and running. So that's, that's just our development kit. Uh, beyond our development kit, we also have bigger systems that we're running for some of our other industries, such as the automotive industry, where we're actually running tests all the time um, with moving vehicles on the roads, um, whether it's in Israel, where we're located, or we're actually at the site of the customer doing tests together with the customer. This is also you know, an exciting opportunity to travel the world to see these different players in our industry and to work together with them. And, you know, it's exciting when you're emailing with someone for months and months at a time. And then finally you go and you visit them at their site and you meet them face to face and you see our technology in action, putting it on their system, putting it on their car, putting it on their agricultural vehicle or whatever it is that it, and kind of marrying these industries together. is very exciting. It's a very cool opportunity to be a part of it. It's like a closing the circle kind of a thing. You work so hard and you want to see that final product and how it actually is working and make sure that it looks as beautiful as you've been talking it up and teaching it. Exactly, exactly. With the world moving uh, remote, it's fantastic what we're able to accomplish, especially with the expectation being remote first, but there is something special about getting in front of the person that you've been talking with in video. Oh, absolutely. And I'd have to say that one of the highlights of my career that I've gotten to do recently and also in a previous job of mine was go to these laser and optics trade fairs. I've been in, in one in Germany and in Shanghai and in San Francisco. And the whole industry of optics and lasers all come to one convention center and everyone has these huge, uh, impressive booths and these really crazy laser systems and and people just geeking out all over about um, <laughs> all of these optics and people are super passionate about it. And it's and you're seeing these cutting edge things. And it's a great place to network and to meet all of these people that you've been talking to for months, but you've never been able to put a, a face to the name. And then they come over to your booth or you go over to their booth and you meet them or you meet them for coffee or whatever it is. And it's, it's really a cool experience to be able to do those things. And that would for sure be one of the biggest highlights of, of my career. So you have to be willing as an application engineer, because you are customer facing, you have to be willing or ready to actually travel to where the customers are or travel to where the shows are and be physically present in these places. Would you say that's an industry standard or that's just how your company is? Yeah, I would say that application engineers probably in general you um, do on-site training a lot or on-site troubleshooting and things like that so um, they probably are traveling more than standard let's say R&D engineer because they are client facing if you love traveling then it could be a very rewarding experience what i really love about being an application engineer more than anything is that i do have this technical background and i get to use the technical background but i also really love being in a customer facing position and um, I, I consider myself a people person. I like public speaking. 
I've given technical workshops before in front of a crowd of people. And um, I find that I find those opportunities to be very rewarding for me. I certainly can relate to that. <laughs> so yeah. when you were uh, going through college, or let's even say in high school, was this the dream job you had lined up where you're like, okay, when I grow up, I'm going to be an application engineer. This is what I want to be. I can't say that when I was in high school, uh, it was my dream job, but the sciences was always something that was very interesting. And engineering was definitely one of my top career uh, choices. And within engineering, to find a position that I could also be customer facing was definitely something that I was looking for. So I didn't know exactly what that was called at the time. You know, when you're in engineering school and you're learning optics or learning physics or you're learning uh, uh, computer science or whatever it is. They're not or, telling you or industrial engineering or industrial engineering or mechanical <laughs> engineering, what, whatever, you know, the, the, when you go onto LinkedIn and you go and you go searching for a job, you know, none of the job titles match anything that you've ever learned in, in school. So it's not like they say in engineering 101, this is what an application engineer is. And this is what a backend engineer is. And this is what an R and D blah, blah, blah is. So as time went on and I understood that this is what an application engineer is. So yeah, I would say that this is definitely where I want to be. Um, but again, and it's not like I knew the word application engineer when I was younger, let's say. They should probably have a course at, at least in college, if not earlier, that goes through these types of professions. I 100% agree. <laughs> or, or they should listen to this podcast. Shameless well, yeah, plug. I have to say, that's why I know, uh, Ruben, I think that the idea of this podcast is great because it really um, illuminates the whole world of every job listing and every job title. You know, you see them and you're just like, what does that mean? What does that person do? So I think it's very, I think this podcast is very cool for that reason. Yeah, well, it's cool because of people like you that are willing to share. Um, so once you had sort of figured out that this there's this thing called application engineer, and it seems to marry those two loves of yours, the technical side and the people side, what did you do in order to land your first gig? Is there such thing as a junior application engineer? Do you have to do some sort of other position first to getting into it? That's a great question don't know exactly how the the cards all fell into place for my first job. Um, I remember after I finished engineering school, there was a good four months where I was sending out my resume and looking for a job. Um, I do think that it was definitely helpful to spend a little money for some career guidance and getting help writing a resume and things like that. I was four months into the job search and I was starting to get a little um, disillusioned by it. Um, I almost got, I got a job offer at a different company that was completely unrelated to what I had studied in engineering school. And on the same day, within about two hours of getting that offer, I got a job offer of my first application engineering job, which was in the laser industry, exactly what I had studied. And it was like serendipitous, I guess, that, you know, it happened one right after the other because, you know, had I accepted the first one, then I, I don't know. So I guess uh, these things, these opportunities pop up all the time and you just have to be patient and willing to wait for it to come and to be in the right place at the right time. We could have been having a very different conversation right now. You're saying if you would have waited, if you wouldn't have waited 120 minutes. Exactly. Exactly. So that was your first job though, from, from out of college, you went straight into an application engineer. So it could technically be an entry level type of position. 
Yeah, um, it could certainly be an entry level type of position. I'll give you a little bit of uh, background on, on the team that I work on. We have a team lead. He, I believe, has an electrical engineering background. I have an optics background. We have another engineer on our team who is, is an industrial and systems engineer. And we have a mechanical engineer. And we have someone who is fresh out of the army who was working in some sort of an intelligence or optics, something or other in the army. And he has a lot of hands-on experience, even though he doesn't have the formal college education, he has a lot of hands-on experience. And he's also extremely helpful in the in the group as well. So we have all sorts of different types of engineering backgrounds, and we all have something different to kind of offer to the team. It's not just like a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. All sorts of different types of engineers can kind of get involved. And also, if you're working in a multidisciplinary environment where you have all of these different um, disciplines kind of coming together to create one system or one product, then all degrees of all backgrounds and all abilities, not just degrees, but hands-on ability, hardworking and grit, you know, all of these things kind of uh, can contribute in their own special way. That sounds like a really special place to work. Absolutely. There's some companies that pride themselves on their diversity and the diversity can mean a bunch of different things. And without getting political, the beauty of behind diversity is really getting the best of so many different people and perspectives so that you can build the best thing together. Absolutely. Yes. hundred percent. In your opinion, is there a specific strength or a character trait that would be especially important in your industry besides for loving people and technology? I think you definitely can't be lazy. Um, it's, uh, especially now in my current position, we have a lot of, uh, field test work where we're doing different tests late at night and we're carrying equipment, mounting different camera systems on cars and doing all it's, it's a very physical job. So that this is my current position now. It doesn't necessarily always have to be that way, but I think in an application engineering setting, it is usually going to be a more physical job which is fun. You know, it's not always fun to just be sitting in behind a computer all day long. It is fun to be on your feet and going out into the field and doing things. One very specific challenge is understanding different accents because we're, <laughs> we're working at a very global market. And sometimes it could be a little embarrassing when you are having trouble understanding what they're saying. And you can only say what so many times before you're insulting them and you don't want to insult them. So, you know, these, these are the things that you have to be sensitive about or you can kind of get them to rephrase the question in a different way so maybe they'll use different words that you'll understand better or or you know different different strategies like that in order to kind of understand um but yeah dealing in a field where 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 you're speaking to customers all over the world and i have the advantage because english is my first language but it is rarely their first language and so um you have to be patient and you have to you know, be sensitive to that and just try hard to understand as much as you can. And then one more thing, just beyond the accents is also, is also cultural things. When you're at the, these trade shows and you're meeting different people from all over the world, from all these different countries, even simple things like how you hand your business card to another person is different depending on what country you come from. Like in, in Asia and the Far East, you have to hand your business card with two hands and receive it with two hands. And if you don't do that, then it could be looked at as an insult. 
Whereas if you in, in Western Europe, you just kind of toss it to them or you don't even have one or whatever. And, and so it's like these minute cultural things that you have to learn about so that you don't accidentally offend somebody down the line. Uh, but you pick up on that pretty quickly and it's, you know, people are usually forgiving and they realize that, oh, he's American or he's Israeli. So they probably just don't understand. But yeah, these things are interesting. Classic American. <laughs> That's actually really interesting that you're saying about understanding different cultures. I mean, not every company is working internationally, but even when you're not working internationally, as for a lot of people working in Israel, and English is that go-to in-between language, being able to understand people and having the strategy of rephrasing things or asking a follow-up question or just being sensitive to the fact and patient, just being sensitive and patient to understand other people can go a long yes. way, not just mm -hmm. to clients, but also to your own coworkers. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. <laughs> For sure. A little different kind of question. Is there a book or a podcast or movie or TV show, something that you would recommend doesn't have to be specifically about application engineers, but is there something out there that speaks to you that you'd like to bring up? Well, I did do a, uh, this is going back a few years. I did do a Dale, Dale Carnegie course, which I'm oh. sure several people may be familiar with. Yeah, in the yeshiva I was studying, at, they had an option to do a Dale Carnegie course during one of the vacations. And I did that. And I thought that was very cool. And then um, I got the book also afterwards. And that helped to reinforce some of the skills uh, I learned there. For those who don't know, Dale Carnegie was a leader in kind of developing relationships with other people. It's not really tricks. It's just kind of habits to try to create in order to create more um, effective relationships with other people and more meaningful relationships with other people. And these things can stretch not only from within your own family and within your own close friendships, but also with your business partners and your coworkers and anyone you deal with on a daily basis. I'm sensing a theme here, having good relations, <laughs> having good well, relationships could, with other people. I could tell people that they should just learn physics, you know, just study a physics textbook, but I don't know if that's going to be so uh, popular. <laughs> right. Definitely not. <laughs> Although <laughs> physics, I was very surprised when I learned physics for the first time. It is really interesting. Super interesting. It gets a bad rap because it's hard, but it's really interesting. Yeah. It's a difficult discipline to study, but it's super rewarding and it is very interesting. At the end of the, it's how the world works, you know? Right. Absolutely. It sounds like you have a, your hands pretty full with the, being an application engineer, besides for meeting with clients around the clock, presumably because you're dealing with different time zones. Yes. What, what do you have time to do outside of the nine to five or maybe nine to 12, depending on your schedule? Yeah, I have a few hobbies. Um, my most uh, common one is uh, probably CrossFit workouts and things like that. But what I really love is skiing. Um, I love to ski. I've gone to the Alps, not uh, you know, a few times to go skiing in the winter, and um, and musical theater. I'm involved in our in the Jerusalem uh, community theater. I've been in a couple um, musicals in, in Jerusalem as well. So that's cool. Uh, those are some things that occupy my time, uh, other than the fact that I am raising a family as well. Um, so 
that takes up a lot of my time. And uh, when, I, when I commute, I commute to work on the train. And uh, I've been reading a lot of books lately, which has been pretty interesting, mostly novels. I've been trying to catch up on some of the literature that I was supposed to read in high school, but didn't. So uh, <laughs> I actually find a lot, a lot. Uh, so I have actually find a lot of value in a lot of the books that I was assigned, but never read. And I think I appreciate them now more than now more that I'm in my 30s than I did when I was 16. So um, I've had literally the same revelation. I'm like, there's probably a reason they wanted me to read these books. So <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no chance I was going to read them then. Uh, yeah when you do it on your own volition it's it's much sweeter and it's much more meaningful right i mean it wasn't chat gpt but there was spark notes and they for some reason allowed us to hand in the spark note summary so i wasn't gonna read the book (laughs) you read my mind can you tell me a little bit more about the theater what kind of musical is there one specifically that you do over and over is it different every year is it not? A year uh, yeah, well, there's a there's actually a thriving um, theater community in Jerusalem. It's a com- um, community theater. And um, and there are a few different theater companies in Jerusalem. And most recently, I was in uh, a musical called Into the Woods, and it performed at the Gerard Bachar Theater in Jerusalem. And it was under the auspices of Starcatcher, which is one of the theater companies. And they put on a musical every year. This was their 10th year putting on a musical. And um, yeah, this was the second show that I did with them. And uh, it was something that I did in high school a few times. And then I I never really pursued ever since then. And then um, now living in Israel and Jerusalem, they're very respectful for you know different religious uh, boundaries that people have, not performing on Shabbat and things like that. So I uh, got involved with that, and I was in a play called Pippin with them about five years ago, and uh, I was in Into the Woods now, and it was so fun, uh, super time-consuming, but super rewarding. Uh, made a lot of friends, and uh, it was great. We, ha- we had performances in March, and then that was it. it. It's not an ongoing thing, and then presumably next year, they'll put on another show, but I don't know what that is yet. It sounds like everything that is a lot of time is very rewarding. Everything you put a lot of time into. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't but put the no time into No such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> Correct. Can you sing us one of the songs, though? No. <laughs> that is you know, not going to happen. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you'd say that. On that happy note... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Jeff, it's been really uh, an honor and a pleasure having you on the podcast, teaching us about being an application engineer and hearing a little bit about what you have somehow find time to do outside of that hectic job and growing family. And thank you so much for being here and teaching us. Thanks for having me, Ravain. This was great. Thanks so much. All right. And thank you all for listening. Peace out.